Planet. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton, along with Martin Patella. Hey, Martin, how are you doing today? It's a brilliant sunny day where I live. <laughs> I'm just loving it. You know, the sunlight's pouring in through the windows, and the sky just pure blue, and it's just so glorious. Oh, it's nice. I went for a bike ride where I am. is sunny, too. We live a few hundred miles apart, and um, the blackberries are in... Full season. season, yeah. Oh. They're they're plump and ripe, and just sitting on the branches, waiting for some biker to come by, <laughs> bicyclist, I guess I should say, and pluck them and and eat them. And they were just delicious. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. I I used to live in uh, in your area, you know, years ago, and my wife and I would just go for walks and pick them and enjoy them tremendously. There aren't that many where I am now, so. I miss that dearly. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I went for a, a bike. I go I go for a lot of bike rides because I'm by this this river. I can go up and down the river, and I can also head straight east. And I come to uh, Pitt Lake, which is just surrounded by massive mountains, absolutely gorgeous. And saw four black bears foraging <laughs> in the fields. Yes. I, yeah. So they were. Uh, Far enough away that I felt like I could uh, safely escape if they got mad at me. Yeah. But it surprised me because there was two groups of people who had not ordinary cameras. These are the cameras that has the little box and then a massive lens. Oh, photo lens. Yeah. yeah. And this one guy was there and he was crouched down and and he had two dogs, which were you know they weren't the type of dogs that would scare. A bear. A bear. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm watching him, and the bear's walking towards us because we happen to be on this dike looking for food. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't, because I'm on a bike, right? And worst yeah. case scenario, I'm, I'm 10 feet ahead battle. of him, <laughs> and the bear will get this guy and his two dogs. But I'm thinking, holy smokes, like, we're, they're uh, wild creatures that are bigger than us. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah. We don't have too many of those around. And uh, I was just surprised at how it seemed to me uh, not very considerate of his safety, this gentleman. Not that he was that close, but to me it was getting, like the bear was walking our way. So Mm -hmm. it was getting closer and closer. And I know these things can go almost 30 miles an hour for short periods of time, which meant that, you know, in 10 seconds, if it wanted to, it could have been, you know, hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, (laughs) it will easily outrun a man. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, it was just it was just interesting, and I, I think the reason that I bring it up is it also reflects the the theme of our past uh, number of podcasts, not our last one about stopping the flu, but the previous ones where we were sort of tongue in cheek talking about this is what you need to do to get sick, and <coughs> I guess you know. <laughs> so this is what you need to do to get eaten. Yeah, exactly right. It's just, but it it shows, I think. Um, a non-awareness of, and, and maybe he was like, I'm, maybe he's done this for 30 years. I mean, he's like, he's a 50-year-old guy. Maybe he's done it all his life, and he knows exactly, you know, where it's where it is and where it is. I mean, I don't know, but you know, just from what I could see, he just wasn't that aware of of the fact that you know this was a dangerous animal. This wasn't like a, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to say a moose or something, but you know, they can be pretty dangerous too. Yeah. But this uh, is no house pet. No, no house pet, and and I guess I'm a little sensitive to uh, to bears because I used to live up in the interior of BC, and yeah. I, and I knew a lot of people that 
would go hunting in the woods and would uh, plant trees in the woods and that sort of stuff. And I, I remember this one guy telling me that he and his dad were hunting this deer and his dad was up on a ridge and he was below and the dad is kind of creeping quietly along the ridge to get closer to the deer and the sun's below and the sun looks up and 25 or 30 feet behind the dad is a bear stalking his dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, dad, turn around, right? Yeah, and, you know, so, I mean, these things can be pretty quiet. and and uh, Oh, yeah, they're hunters too, right? And they're hunters. You know, like they, they eat meat, and I happen to be meat, and this guy was meat. And so it just, you know, yeah, fortunately, yeah. they, you know, they're, they were not their sort of natural prey, but... Uh, it was, but, it was you know, when uh, when they're fattening up for the winter sleep, they're willing to take just about anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it just brought to the forefront again of how you know how do we act, how do we behave, and what sort of actions do we take, and then we wonder later on like why we're being eaten by a bear, why we're sick, why this thing happened to me, and a lot of it I think is we're just doing things that that give us that result without and because it's not an instantaneous result we don't always con- connect the cause and the effect together and that's one of the reasons yeah. why I think this series we're doing is so so important mm-hmm. and one of the uh, topics that I, w- I want us to touch on today um, is breathing because mm-hmm. uh, our breathing is so important and I know for so long uh, I even deliberately try to breathe as shallow as possible huh? <laughs> and okay. now I'm well, finding I, out I would like to say this I don't know if you've noticed it but whenever a person is scared whenever fear sets in mm-hmm. we actually stop breathing you know like yeah and block mm-hmm. and lock and uh, I suppose it's a reasonable mechanism to uh, just you know stop all motion stop even the breathing until you realize or declare the situation is safe. Yeah, or you're ready to run. Yeah. Or fight. Well, but fight you know, fight, the first right? response is like stay stay still, right? Like yeah. don't move a thing. And then then evaluate and then decide what the next course of action is. But anyway, the point is that when we stop breathing, that's one thing. We lock it up completely. And then the second thing is I don't know if you've noticed about scared people but they are panting shallow breaths. Their their top of their chest, just below the base of the neck, is heaving. Up, down, up, down, up, down, quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just doing it now as you're describing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is a sign of fear. And that actually brings a you know very limited amount of oxygen into our body. And that's yeah, and that's part of the problem, right? Is we've yeah. learned, we've also learned to breathe shallow, like instead of taking these deep breaths and maybe uh, making a bit of a sound as we, you know, yeah. it's not that's not considered polite. Yes. Well, some of it is cultural, you know. We have been told to puff up our chest instead of instead of <laughs> pull forward or, or bulge out our belly, right? Yeah, I mean that the natural breathing that you will watch babies do will be the abdominal breathing, where yes. with every breath coming in, the belly actually pulls open like out, and then on an exhalation it just pulls returns back in. But that's really not 
what's the word? Uh, it's not the best image, you know, like a man supposed to have a big chest, shoulders out, pecs out, right? Tummy in. Yeah, that's it. Oh, well, there you just said it. <laughs> the moment you pull it in, you lock it, and you're you're um, stuck with just the top lobes of your lungs. Right. Well, that's about... You, you just gave up two-thirds of your breathing capacity. And getting that oxygen, getting that oxygen into the system is really important uh, to our overall health. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could even speculate there's a finite number of breaths that we get to take in our lifetime. And uh, so if you're taking shallow ones, you're going to have to take many more, which means that you're going to run out of breaths sooner. Hmm. That's an interesting concept. And well, not only that, you, you're definitely going to be uh, struggling more because you're not getting the oxygen in, you're not getting the regeneration that comes from that. Right. Um, you know, you look at um, the hydrobarics, right, and they're pushing oxygen, just forcing, pressurizing and forcing it into the body. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, the, just the amazing impact that has on people's health. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, th there's, your, there's your direct demonstration of this principle in action. If you can get more oxygen into the into the tissue, your uh, prognosis improves dramatically. Exactly. Your overall health goes up, directly proportional to the amount of oxygen that you can carry in your bodily fluids. And we've talked about it in, at some other times where uh, we're saying that the pH of your lymphatic fluids uh, directs or controls the amount of oxygen that will circulate. But before it even gets to circulate, you actually need to supply it. Exactly. <laughs> Something that people don't think about. And I understand that the level of oxygen in the air today is less than it was a few hundred years ago as well. So we need to breathe probably even deep, more deeply to get the, uh, get the same effects that our ancestors got. Yes. I, I'm not sure how big that difference is. But uh, what the heck? Let's just go with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm speculating that the difference is like you know it was 21 percent and now it's 20.5 type of thing. You know. Mm. But well, I'll have to. Uh, well, we'll have to research that one. Huh? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and if you t if you do something like um, if you're a singer and you go to a singing coach or a speaker and you go to a speaking coach or if you go do yoga. Uh, they talk a lot about the importance of breathing and getting a full, uh, you know, a full lung, of, full of, a lung full of air, and and also breathing through, like you said, through the stomach, so the stomach actually expands. Yeah, the chest right. is behind, you know. I mean, that's like rock. I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you expand your lungs in yeah. your chest? Not not very much, but well, if you want the if you want the terminology, you know, we're talking about diaphragmatic breathing. The diaphragm is this big, flat muscle that's sitting at the base of your chest cavity. And it's like bellows. And uh, when it pushes in, it expels air out of your lungs. And when it pushes down towards the belly, it forces the air by vacuum. It's just like, you know, bellows. I mean, have you ever seen the bellows that you use for blowing uh, into a um, fireplace? Mm-hmm. 
this is an old technology. I don't know, not many people have it these days. But uh, or or just a bicycle pump, right? I mean, you, you when you push down on it, the air is going out. When you pull up on the stick, the air is flowing right back into the chamber. Well, it's the same action that the diaphragm is directing. And so there we are with the diaphragm, forcing it down. So if we force it down only partly, we only fill the lungs to a small degree. Whereas if we go all the way, of course that forces the belly to come out because the organs that are there have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of exercising your inner organs as well. Oh, yeah. Right. That's an excellent point. We massage the, yeah, the organs. Cool. Okay, so if you want to get sick, breathe shallow. Don't let any of that good oxygen get into your system because who knows what it might fix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you do proper breathing, you're going to be relieving stress. You're going to lower your blood pressure. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to give that up. That's, that's right. That's an important one to hang on to, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> and so, a topic that's kind of uh, close to breathing with shallow breaths that I want to, that I also want to make sure we cover today, and is 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 similar in some ways when you think about it, is swallowing your food without chewing it well, you, or without chewing it very well. No, I I agree. We should go to that, but. Before you get to that one, I would like to mention wearing tight underclothing, especially stuff that constricts your chest. My wife and I were at a restaurant yesterday, and I, I just looked sideways to the next table over, and there's this beautiful young gal, and she has a, uh, I think she was wearing a bikini top under her shirt, and you could just see the line about a finger wide just dug into her chest. Hmm. And, you know, every time this gal would expand her uh, her uh, rib cage, yeah. this thing this thing would just dig right in. Oh, so what's that telling you? Well, she's going to breathe a lot shallower, shallower, right? Yep. And the other thing that was that this reminded me of instantly was the uh, you know that beautiful garment that they used to wear in Victorian times. Oh yeah. This uh, this thing that would uh, cinch the weight, cinch the waist on the um, on the ladies. Yeah. You remember the name of it? I don't. It's it's the corset. My wife the says the corset. Right, right. <laughs> she's here. She's she's doing the faithful. I know what. I know this one. I <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I tell you, without her help, I'd be in trouble. Nice so anyway, anyway, that sort of thing. The corset would be probably the best example of tight underclothing affecting your breathing. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. So <laughs> these these Victorian chicks, they would be just reduced to sort of like <laughs> sitting pretty. Yes, sir. I think. Yeah, and then they would faint because there would be not enough oxygen for them to to even uh, get excited, right? Right, right. That happened on a movie, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, the yeah. heroine is in this big. She's about to get married, and she's in this big dress and everything else, and she's up in the uh, top of the castle, right, right at the edge, and she's 
talking to the man that she's supposed to be marrying or whatever, and he's not paying any attention to her, and she's starting to feel faint, uh-huh. and then she falls off the cliff, the ca- in, in, off the cliff and into the water. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah, that's uh, right, look at that. exactly what happens. Even, even in a movie. <laughs> even in a movie. Well, this thing I'm sure was <laughs> this. You know, this is based on uh, uh, <laughs> lots of uh, traditional documentations, right? People, yeah. people would faint back then. Right, yeah. and yeah, we would wonder why they would be fainting. Well, of course, they're not getting any air. Yeah, they're just, and you know, the, the, in the excitement, you're supposed to take more breaths, and you can't. Yeah. So this, there's this other thing that this, of course, will do to you, which is constrict the movement of the lymph. Yes. Now we talked about constricting the movement of the lymph, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which means the toxins cannot move; they they stagnate, and it's you know what happens with water when it stagnates, it starts to to rot, right? Exactly. And swamp is a great example of that sort of thing. So I wonder, I wonder if indeed reconstructed lymphatic system is uh, is the cause of uh, cancer, lymphoma, breast cancers, that sort of stuff. Hmm. I think what we should do is vote for uh, the uh, liberation from the uh, bra. <laughs> I think it's a bad idea. You know, I think it causes women to get ill. Hmm. What do you say? Well, uh, in some cases I would agree with you. In other cases I'm not so sure. <laughs> but that's purely from a uh, visual oh, perspective. Oh, you're, you're going on the visual now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just concerned that this might not be the best uh, health policy for uh, for our uh, female friends, you know. Well, anyway, so that's that's me going off on a tangent, saying that um, tight underclothing, you know, whether it's especially the bra, I'm really concerned about those. You know, like the tighter they are, the the, the more they will constrict the movement of the fluids. Um, I suspect even tight tight underwear somehow might do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've often wondered if the uh, testicular cancer uh, that Lance Armstrong got was from too much bicycling. Well, I think everyone thinks that's exactly right. Yeah, I don't know it, and I don't want to point a finger, but who knows? Yeah, no, there's a lot of people who, uh, when they bike at that level, it's not unusual for them to get cancer. And you just, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on certain points of the body and restricting fluids and circulation. Maybe that's how it happens, huh? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, the clothes they wear would probably fit under this... uh, Category of being tight. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it looks like they're quite tight. So okay, so that the story is uh, wear a looser clothing. Don't try to put a tourniquet on your body because it probably will block the flow of fluids, and that's not a good idea. Exactly. I think we can all agree on that. Okay, so let's go back to the one that you suggested, which was we should talk about. The eating, chewing thing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, if you breathe with short breaths, that's one side, because then this is all going in the same thing, air going in or food and water going in, right? Right, intake, yeah. And oftentimes, like, the fast food, uh, 
industry, like you go into a McDonald's or whatever, you look at the kids eating, they're just shoving it in their mouth and down their throats. And uh, there's not a lot of uh, chewing going on. And, yeah. and it's the idea is they've got to be fast and they're, they'll wa- wash it down with Coca-Cola and <laughs> whatever there is. Actually, I remember, mm-hmm. I was a kid, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. long ago. But I, were you? I remember the eating contests. I remember yeah. people would just fill their gullets just as fast as they could fill them. Yeah. And it was it was like a uh, what's the word a badge of honor that you could finish early. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh. And and you know um, this this habit is established early in life sets in <laughs> and sets you up for years of. Uh, I don't know what suffering, or at least, yeah. at least well, bad uh, habits, right? Yeah, and then you potential, can't yeah, potential for a significant uh, health problem. Well, there actually is a good reason for chewing, right? And that's the main the main reason we are supposed to chew, even even if it's already a blended drink, even if it's a smoothie. The idea is that um, you need to mix in thiolin, the uh, enzyme that is. Uh, um, you know the first alkalizing enzyme in your mouth, the one that that uh, is responsible for uh, dealing with sugars and uh, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. And it's the you know it's the amylase that breaks down carbs. So if, for instance, you don't uh, mix your saliva with your Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know your stomach has to deal with it. So there's there's just not enough of the thiolin in it. And so if you have a sweet drink, you know, like a sweet smoothie or fruit yeah. smoothie, that, that sort of thing, if you don't take the time to properly process it in your mouth, you're uh, giving your stomach a, a greater workout, you know, pushing it into it places that it doesn't appreciate. So what else? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, the, the particle size. You know, the particle size of food is all important because your digestive system can only extract nutrients at the surface level, at the interface level. You know, like, you cannot extract, let's just say that you're extracting some amino acids out of a protein, out of a piece of meat. Well, you can only extract it from the molecule that's on the surface. You, mm. cannot, you cannot reach past the molecule that's on the surface to the second one down because you're only digesting it at the interface so if it's not chewed up fine or if it's not blended in a high powered blender um, or if it's not milled into a fine powder like what we do with the Exilus superfoods you're you're um, able to extract nutrients only at the interface level so not chewing your food is uh, essentially preventing you from extracting the nutrients that are in it. Hmm. Scary. So that's a really important part of this whole thing. Truly scary thought, you know, when you think about it. So I guess if you want to uh, uh, absorb more calories but fewer nutrients, uh, you would uh, want to not chew your food properly. So that that's pretty much a safe way to um, to reach fatness faster. Right. Good, and we all know that if you're obese, your chances of heart disease and stroke and all those things go up exponentially. That's right. So here's another way to help uh, help you to get sick. 
Right. And here's another one. <laughs> Thank you. Here's another one that goes along with that. And that is to have emotions that are contrary, that are negative, that are uh, fear-filled and angry and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of emotions you would get watching TV news yeah. or, or talking with people about things you don't like. You know, having having a, disp- a discussion about the healthcare policy, you know, right, right, <laughs> or something like that. <sighs> Instead, we should probably talk about art, the appreciation of finer things in life. Well, I think it becomes uh, an orientation, right? A way that we look at life, because yeah. <clears throat> when you you know you look at you can look around and say, you know what, um, I have old kitchen chairs. Or you can look around and say, you know, it's a beautiful uh, view I have looking through my patio window do- uh, doors, right? The sliding glass doors. Yes. And I'm, I basically looked at one place and I looked at another place and I made two completely different thoughts. Yes. And I think that we, what we don't realize is those are habitual. Right. And, uh, you know, the more... If you look at everything and you just start being... Um, grateful then it becomes a habit and it's really weird because you have an amazing page on Dr. Emoto and his research on water and everything else and then we did the uh, enwaterment.com site which got into more videos and uh, Mm -hmm. of what he and uh, Mr. Sereda say about the consciousness of water Mm -hmm. and of course as one of my uh, functions around here is to get those pages up and and summarize them and do all sorts of things and and what I've noticed since I've gone through all those videos is when I'm pouring, because I used to think, well, yeah, who has time to go, you know, love, 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 love into water? Yeah, right? love the water. <laughs> love the water, love the water, love the water, love the water, you know. Give I, me a break. Yeah, right? but what I don't realize is, is that on a subconscious level, we do tons of that sort of stuff on an ongoing basis. So what I notice is when I'm pouring myself some water is, is I hear in the background this love being sent to the water from my subconscious, right? Yes. And I'm going, oh, like it doesn't have to take any time. But the problem is, is that you have to develop the habit and get it into the subconscious so that it's just a natural, like you brush your teeth before you go to bed, you know, you just go, hey, lots of love into the water before you drink it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So it, to me, it's it's part of, okay, you're, you, you make a decision and then you work on making it a habit. Okay, so you said it really well. So we should make a dinner, a session about complaining about everything. <laughs> let's sit down and let's re- review everything that was wrong with our day. Yeah, and you know okay. what's scary about that? Is you and I could look at it and say, this is what's wrong. And everybody else would say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually kind of nice. <laughs> you know, Because yeah. it's a total perspective. I guess that's my point, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Someone can look at the sunny day and say, oh, it's pretty hot, it's too hot, too hot. I can't go out in there, I'm going to be sweaty. And, oh. Yeah. You know? And someone else is like, all oh, right, it's hot, you know, let's head to the beach. So, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's so subjective. We, and that's, I guess, why we can say we make our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is exactly that. So, uh, so uh, when you're wolfing your food down quickly... Remember to focus on all the negative things that uh, have uh, happened to you that day. It's useful time to review all the upsets as you're eating your dinner.
that's pretty much the quickest way to stomach ulcers and indigestion. But what the heck, a couple of times we'll fix that. <laughs> yeah, that would be another really good way to make sure you get sick later on, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We were already talking about prescription uh, and, and over-the-counter drugs. The more, the merrier. That's right. That's right. All right. So, Martin, if somebody wanted to decide maybe that they didn't want to... Live uh, like that? Live like that, be sick. And they realize that, uh, you know, one of my things is, is that people are living to 70, 80, 90 years old. The largest growing part of the population are people that are over 100. And so then the question in my mind is, is how do I get to be 100 you know, going for walks and enjoying my life and, you know, still with my own teeth compared to my, say, my grandparents who some of them spent, you know, five years, the last five years in a home unable to walk, unable to feed themselves, unable to go to the bathroom, unable to go to a bath, have a bath. And um, so if somebody was saying, okay, like there is the two paths in the future, you know, fairly healthy because there are, you know, very active 100-year-old people out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and But there are also way more, you know, just waiting to die. People, uh, people on life support, right? People on life support or they've got nurses that have to feed them and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I think they're just simply waiting for the savings to run out and for the uh, insurance limits to run out. And then, then it becomes sort of easy to un- unplug them. But until until they've run out of all of the money that they can be uh, squeezed out of them, I think they'll be kept alive. Yeah, oh, that's a sad thought. Yeah, well, so, you know, how I'm, would <laughs> I'm giving it to you, giving it to you with the blackest of perspective I can muster. Yeah, well, let's go with a white perspective then, or a bright perspective. Okay. Uh, so, if somebody wanted to have a brighter perspective on life, and they wanted to reject the, you know, nurse feeding them and being helpless and basically encased in a prison, um, how could they get a hold of you to talk about some of the things that Life Enthusiast Co-op can? Uh, yeah, to can explore teach other them? options, <laughs> to explore, explore healthy, healthful, and uh, life-supporting. We you know restoring vitality to you and to the planet. Call us at one eight six six five four three 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 eight eight, and uh, look it up online at www.life-enthusiast.com. And this is probably marks the end of our broadcast for today. Thank you it so does. much for listening. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.